Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Trailer Talk, Cinematic Doctrine's semi-monthly segment in which we discuss some trailers that have released over the previous month. September, like August, landed us of some great trailers, and I think there's a lot to be excited about this time around. First off, Carter and I dig into WandaVision, the first new property to release in the much-loved Marvel Cinematic Universe. Carter and I dig into the mystery surrounding this strange trailer that seems to only give us just enough without giving us too much. But what we get is pretty awesome. A weird pseudo-retro sitcom with superheroes trying to fit in, paired alongside some typical sci-fi fighting action? That sounds great. Then we take a look at Warner Brothers' next big blockbuster, Dune. First thing first, we see whether or not Carter or I have actually read the classic sci-fi novel of the same name, and then fangirl over virtually everything about this trailer from the somber and petrifying themes, unbelievable cast, and director Denis Villeneuve. We also get into a great conversation regarding content awareness and supporting content creators who in the past have done some questionable or sinful things. Then lastly, we go wild talking about the upcoming Star Wars property that everyone seems to love, The Mandalorian, and we go right into our excitement for Season 2, speculate on what we can see in the trailer, and put forth our hopes for what we'll see in the upcoming season. Then we decide on which of these projects we're most excited for, so stick around to the end and hear what we land on. If you enjoy the show, you can always stop by Cinematic Doctrine's Patreon and show your support with a $3 monthly donation. Doesn't seem like much, but it really helps out. We've been able to purchase better equipment and improve other podcasting logistics. If you support the show through Patreon, you'll also gain access to some sick perks like voting on a movie we discuss at the end of each month, as well as exclusive access to the pre-show, a show where we talk about movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are over four hours of bonus podcast content for $3 flat, and you'll get to hear us talk about some awesome stuff God has been doing in our lives, hear about the bizarre work situations Daniel's been in lately, and remember times when DVDs used to have Easter eggs hidden in the menus. You can also keep up with us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Our Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group is the place to be if you want to chat movies and Christianity with other like-minded Christians. And don't be afraid to leave us a review and give us your unfiltered thoughts on the show. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Also, guess what? All of these trailers, they have written pieces on the website. And the coolest thing, they usually release one to three days after the trailer debuts. So you don't have to wait for Trailer Talk to hear what the team at Cinematic Doctrine thinks about these latest movies or trailers that are coming out. All of that is available at cinematicdoctrine.com, so be sure to check that out. All this will be available on the show notes. Without further ado, let's talk some trailers. So our first trailer for today we're going to be talking about is WandaVision, which I don't know about you, but for me, I'm, I'm pretty pretty stoked about this. I was stoked when the first image released. But yeah, WandaVision, created by Jacqueline Schaefer and directed by Matt Shackman, is an upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe miniseries. You thought you could get away from the MCU during COVID. That was not going to happen. First of its kind is uh, this miniseries is for landing on Disney Plus, and it's going to happen sometime in December. It's a bit vague on what day that's going to be. I feel like I read a report that said December 1st, but all the stuff I've read lately has just said December. So just look forward to the month of December in general. The trailer opens up with a black and white tight aspect ratio sitcom aesthetic evoking I Love Lucy and other such much loved classics. Wanda Maximoff, also known as the Scarlet Witch, and Vision live in a small home that looks very much like a retro TV set, the kind where three walls are decorated and the fourth is ripped out so large lumbering cameras can easily pan across the scene. Vision, as we remember, is Tony Stark's old computer Jarvis turned sentient humanoid. 
but he still retains his inhuman makeup of red metallic skin and glowing stone in his forehead. Wanda has a quick line about how she wants us to fit in and keeping secret. And we see Vision reform his body to look more human, more normal. You know, like Paul Bettany, but without makeup. The two are happily in love, excited to live for uh, their life together, you know, and and they just embrace with a passionate kiss and wedding garb. It's, it's really sweet. But it's clear WandaVision is more than a romantic comedy sitcom where two superheroes try to fit into normal life. Most notably, a scene in the trailer where at a comfortable or really, I, I wrote comfortable dinner party, but it's more uncomfortable dinner party. Wanda and Vision are asked about their story, where they moved, why they don't have children, typical 50s rhetoric. And they soon realize they can't really answer the questions. This is when the trailer goes off the rails. We see the aspect ratio expand as our characters' minds begin racing for answers. The color returns to the screen, and Wanda and Vision realize something isn't right. Now, as the trailer states, and as fans of Marvel Cinematic Universe will remember... And I say all that to emphasize that this is a light spoiler. Well, I mean, I guess it's a heavy spoiler, but a light spoiler for those who haven't seen the trailer, nor the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe to this point. Vision has been dead since the end of Marvel's Phase 3. In fact, apart from this fact, and apart from what little secrets were given in the WandaVision trailer, there's virtually no other information as to what the plotline is looking to be. If you recall, the last film in the phase three of the MCU was Spider-Man Far From Home, and there's virtually nothing in this trailer to imply the events of that film, including the groundbreaking stinger at the end of the film featuring everybody's favorite J. Jonah Jameson. This is the first time in a long time we're going into a Marvel property pretty much having no idea what it is. It's just a lot of mystery and wonder. And all we can base off of WandaVision is that Vision is dead, but now he's not. So, so Carter, first off, the MCU is back. This is this is pretty cool. I I gotta say, I was kind of growing of the tired of the MCU. I didn't think Far From Home was like a good ending. I always find it weird that the MCU ends their tentpole like phases with like just a small movie. I think even didn't uh, I? Th- I feel like the last. I feel like Phase Two ended with Ant Man, which was really strange. But yeah, Far From Home was kind of like meh. But I, I like when the MCU is good, and WandaVision seems bizarre enough for me to enjoy it. But what do you think? This trailer was pretty crazy. MCU's back. What you thinking, Carter? Yeah, one thing that was really interesting about this, Melvin, going into that trailer for the first time for me was, honestly, I wasn't that excited about it. It had I, I had heard kind of the the premise of it, that it was set in this kind of like nuclear 50s family aesthetic and, and then it was potentially in Scarlet Witch's head, um, which I thought that was interesting, but honestly haven't been dying to watch that trailer. And I told you this as I'm watching it, I was like, I was somewhat creeped out by it, but also a little um, emotionally moved by it. And that was probably one of the biggest surprises I've had recently. And and I think this really gave us a good taste of, at least I think, of what, it, of what it's going to look like uh, with these Marvel TV shows on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's... It's really interesting. It seems like they're taking a a, uh, a riskier uh, route. They're 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 looking to explore some some themes and ideas that they might not be able to in you know a feature length movie where you know you have, it's it's a big family outing twice a year for a family to go see a Marvel movie. Here they can play with the characters and our, our ideas of these characters a little bit more. Do you, do you think that this gives us a good uh, idea of what we can expect from Marvel on Disney Plus? 
Yeah, I think the benefit of it being a miniseries is that if it wants to get into character drama, it has the time to do it. And some of the movies have handled character drama really well. And some of the movies have balanced action with their character drama. I think trying to th- I think the I think the initial Avengers movie does a good job of balancing action with character drama. I mean, the whole th- first Avengers is them getting along or learning to get along, but the way they learn to get along is by punching each other a lot, which is always I mean, at then it was exciting to see because nobody had really seen anything like it. Now it's a little tired, but but it was this thing where he, it balanced the the drama with the action. But you kind of have to do that when, like you said, the whole family's going to pack into the van, head on out, spend one hundred and thirty dollars on tickets and, and popcorn and try and have a good time watching something on the big screen as opposed to the small screen, because if it's the small screen. I mean, my dad says this and I agree with it. If he's going to go to the movies, he wants to see something big and bombastic that's benefited by the big screen. And a drama typically isn't, although the drama kind of has the benefit of just like you're in a dark room where all you see is the drama unfolding. So it makes it much more intimate. So having this be a miniseries, I think I saw six episodes long. I can't remember, but I believe I saw six. Gives us that time to take apart the drama that kind of just started with like, I think it was Infinity War. I think we just were thrown into the WandaVision romance in Infinity War with like kind of nothing preemptively setting that up. I think there might've been a little bit in Civil War maybe, but I can't remember. Was it Civil War? Maybe. I don't know. That's when it began. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Cause that was like Vision's first actual movie yeah he was in ultron but it wasn't really like he wasn't really in it until until he was in it but um yeah i think it'll be interesting to kind of get some more meat on those bones because i know i have a friend of mine who might actually be listening to to this one right now who really was not convinced of the wandavision romance i i was i thought it was handled well the performances were very good in affinity war and that's what really sold me on their romance in that movie, even if it was just out of nowhere. But WandaVision is going to benefit it further by actually giving us reasons. And I think I think it also just opens up the door. The miniseries atmosphere opens up the door for more creativity because it can linger on good ideas. Because the MCU, it's like a single movie where good ideas are maybe like one or two scenes and then they just move on. And that's like, I don't want that. Like, if it's a good idea, I want to stay there for a bit. So give me six episodes of that, whether they're 30 minutes or an hour each. I'm I'm cool with that. I, I'd love that. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for WandaVision in that sense. Were you picking up on some of that, like, 50s boomer criticism that was coming on i even mentioned it in the in the description earlier where like they're sitting at this uncomfortable dinner dinner scene they just got married i assume they're, they're asking uh, why did why they don't have kids right right which is like you yeah. just don't ask you nowadays you know not to ask that question <laughs> there are plenty and many reasons to not have kids so and, and it can be very unfortunate to have those things revealed without you confessing them but did, did you pick up on a bit of that and if so what do you think about that yeah i i think it's really interesting because i think that would be a conversation you would hear in a modern sitcom i've never seen an episode of new girl but i've heard things about new girl i've, I've heard things about um shows like that these sitcoms like that and or or even something like friends if we're going back to the 90s where they would have that kind of conversation um, like, Hey, you know, what about kids or, you know, what, 
what uh, just characters asking, um, whether it's romantic status or the kids that would come from that asking about that. And I think it's interesting that they're taking that sitcom construct and putting it in the world of superheroes. Yeah. And that's really Marvel's benefit here. Marvel with, with something like new girl, obviously that I, I, whoever's behind that, whether that's universal or um, paramount, like they, they don't have access to the, this intellectual property like Disney does with the superheroes. So it's interesting to put these superheroes in that kind of um, sitcom environment with a little twinge of Michelle Gondry, a little twinge <laughs> of some Kaufman and, and Gondry, if you if you get where I'm going with that, Mel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's 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 really interesting because I think you'd see that that conversation a lot. And we're just we're having a sitcom that just so happens to feature some superheroes. Yeah, and I think that kind of goes along the lines with like Disney's kind of cultural image that they're trying to build about diversity and not just diversity but in but like a, a gender acceptance and stuff like that there's um there are a lot there's a lot of fair criticism against how they handle that and i for the most part agree with some of it not all of it um some of it's too vitriolic to actually be good criticism of something but in this case i think that could be used well because if it if it does decide to do like the normal family even though they're not normal which is clear because they're both superheroes I don't mind that story in the MCU. Sure, I've seen other sitcoms or other movies that have handled personal family dramas well, really well, to the point of just being straight moving. Some of them horrific, but there are some things in the superhero genre that are not touched on. And I think using this as a metaphor for hidden secrets in a family or couple, that could be really good. But what I'm trying to get at is like a lot of couples and families and this and that have secrets that they want to keep hidden or are sort of like the skeletons in the closet that in some cases need to come out. And to see the MCU maybe go that direction would be really interesting. Like obviously the skeleton in the closet isn't really a skeleton, like they're superheroes. That's pretty cool. But if you're setting it in the 50s aesthetic, which is very suburbia, copy, copy paste kind of cookie cutter i guess it would make more sense to say cookie cutter that sounds more 50s than copy paste copy paste is so 90s <laughs> and so hackers but um, <laughs> but yeah like having that sort of cookie cutter aesthetic and yet they're a, they're actually different there's something about them that's very different and that's going to bring some tension i think will be really cool and i think it's going to be a, the sort of thing where they don't just want to be normal they also are trying to hide i think it'll be interesting to see like are they hiding in some sort of I mean, this is some speculation based off of what we've learned after after the last few movies. But is this set in an alternate universe and they're not supposed to be there? Is this like that episode of Doctor Who where the Doctor and Rose go back in time to stop something from happening? And when they do that, it affects time so bad that these like parasites come through time and space and are trying to correct it. And so is it like they're hiding in some sort of alternate universe and some sort of cosmic police is coming in to stop? So if they you know act like everybody else, they'll be okay, which... Sounds a lot like some of the fears people have in the 50s, where it's like, if I, if my family's falling apart, or if I've been assaulted by my boss, I don't want to do this or that, because it'll ruin the status quo. All that to me sounds great. And if it's handled well, very cool. I think that'll be really neat. I don't, I don't mind any of that stuff at all. It makes for good drama. 
I think that's just how I land on it. I think it'll be cool. Um, I also am just glad that the show looks weird. I like weird. So that looks cool. <laughs> it kind of has that. I mean, yeah, you were getting into Kaufman stuff. It has a very eternal sunshine look to it in the sense of just just it just looks weird. It looks like we're going to see stuff we've never seen in the MCU. And I genuinely mean that as somebody who whenever I go see an MCU movie, I'm typically like, I'm not going to see anything new here. <laughs> it's just going to be the same thing. <laughs> This this looks like it's going to throw me for a loop, and I'm all for that because I like the MCU. I like when it does that. So, you know, give that to me. That's what I want. I'm with you, man. I'm excited. I think that, you know, hitting on Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, I think the one thing that really stuck out to me is this looks like it could be some kind of show. I mean, obviously, it'll be there will be funny moments, but it looks like something of a meditation on grief a little bit if we're still operating in the same universe yeah. that we were with the Avengers yeah, in that. that makes sense. Spoiler alert, uh, Vision is dead. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how they implement all that. Yeah. I'm excited. That's going to be neat because nobody's really died in the MCU in the sense of people lingering on it. When I think about the entire series as a whole, I think you can probably count on your hand how many prominent characters have died and even then how effective those deaths have been. For me, not many of them have been particularly effective. And that's always kind of a shame to me because I, I like to be moved by movies. That's why I watch them. <laughs> and I think WandaVision has that added bonus of it being sort of like, man, I mean, just like speculating on like if if I don't I don't know of any of the rumors around this. In fact, just hearing that it might be like set in like a fantasy world or an other world or an else world. I guess else world is is DC, but or like in Wanda's head or maybe a villain's contracting the controlling this contracting all this jazz. It could be really interesting to see it as like if I can just like hide and and act like everything's okay even though it's not. That'll be really interesting in comparison to a death that may be permanent. In fact, I would hope that I don't hope that the worst thing happens to people ever, especially in show, especially in real life, but also in shows. But like narratively, if it were to end in a way that's like acceptance of grief like that, I think that would be really cathartic to watch in a series where in a franchise where just nobody dies. <laughs> There's no time for grief. <laughs> There's we're, we're moving on to the next <laughs> big battle, you know? Yeah. I mean, half of the villains are still alive. They're just mm -hmm. written out <laughs> at this point. Abomination's still alive. Guys, <laughs> like how? I don't understand. So yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I look forward to it. As stated, WandaVision is slated to come out in December 2020. But if my memory serves me right, I think I also saw it was listed as December 1st. So keep your eyes peeled. But, you know, just look forward to December. So now we're coming to Dune. Written and directed by Denis Villeneuve or Denis, Denis Villeneuve or Denis Villeneuve. Uh, who knows? <laughs> who we all know and love from Sicario and Arrival comes the latest attempt at adapting Dune, of which I think there are three. I think there's like a sci-fi adaption, a BBC adaption, and everybody's favorite Lynch adaption. Even Lynch, he loves that adaption. You should Google that and see how much he loves his adaption of Dune. But yeah, Dune, the groundbreaking and genre-defining literary classic by Frank Herbert. The trailer begins with a tease of sci-fi romance between two unbelievably popular actors, Timothee Chalamet and Zendaya, who play Paul Atreides and Chani, respectively. That's swiftly stripped away to show a more dramatic, large-scale, and cerebral atmosphere beginning with a test. Paul Atreides is told to put his hand in a box. He is not allowed to remove it or he dies. 
inside the box's pain. And as he endures, its metaphor is not only clear, but the epic science fantasy level of tragedy is at play here. Life is pain, and if you choose not to endure it, you die. Following this, we get some more direct plot points, such as Paul is a part of a lineage of rulers, albeit failed rulers, and his father is prophesied to lose his power. However, Paul has a unique level of power himself, alongside the ability to see things in the future. The level of these powers aren't quite discernible by the trailer, but it seems he's not only well-equipped in combat, but he's also caught in a dramatic romance in which he knows something or someone he otherwise shouldn't, the aforementioned Chani. There are tons of action sequences shown in the trailer, a lot of environmental destruction that will make every Star Wars fan quote their favorite line from Attack of the Clones, and some excellent framing that seems to emphasize the small things that we often miss, akin to Denis Villeneuve's or Villeneuve's or Denis Villeneuve's usual visual profile despite working with a different director of photography this time around. The official trailer does embrace a bit more of what we've come to see from bombastic sci-fi trailers nowadays, so much so that if you compare it to the teaser trailer seen during screenings of Tenet, you'll notice an entire tonal difference. Where the teaser trailer for Dune shown during Tenet was absurdly atmospheric, bordering on science horror with its majesty and power as Paul's winces and grunts of the box test are overheard with silent shots of war and drama, the official trailer goes for the big bombs and stereotypical trailer format of nostalgia piano and an epic shot at the end, you know, the massive sandworm. This is probably because Denis Villeneuve's last sci-fi epic Blade Runner 2049 had a trailer so bizarrely atmospheric and mysterious that nobody saw the movie. Of course, there were many factors for why that film didn't perform well, but trailers are important, and if they don't click with general audiences, that's a death sentence. But I will say I personally hope Dune captures the atmosphere of the teaser trailer more than the epic, borderline nonsensical brainlessness of the official trailer. And although Villeneuve or Villeneuve or whatever, I can just never get it right, contains a fair level of questionable and immoral content in his films, specifically talking nudity here, he hasn't necessarily made a poor quality film. And from what I've heard, Dune doesn't really lend itself to containing anything R-rated. So fingers crossed that Dune is accessible to everyone in that sense. So I guess really the real question is like, have we read Dune? And do we know anything about the story from the trailer uh, apart from that? Carter, personally, I have not read Dune and I've been sleeping on it. I think it's sort of, there's like a joke I read that's like, I think it was like an Onion article and it was like college freshman finally, finally decides he's going to read Dune before the end of semester, <laughs> realizes he's graduating or something like that. <laughs> um, so it's just like, it's definitely a book a lot of people say they want to read and just don't. So I'm a part of that camp. Are, are you or have have you have you bit the bullet? Have you read Dune? It's it's a rite of passage, man. I I, I did. I actually I, I started it late 2018 um, because that was right around the time when casting was getting announced for Dune, and I was looking at the cast list, and I'm like, I got to read this. There, yeah. There's something about <laughs> this, and and already just you know looking at the description of it before I'd ever read the book, I was like, this has a chance to be Lord of the Rings meets not even star wars because i think they're they're pretty different but something like a john carter and and that suspicion was really confirmed as i was reading the book which honestly is one of my top 10 favorite books it it has the kind of lore that you find in the lord of the rings uh it has the kind of gamemanship and and uh backstabbing that you would find in a game of thrones show even though i've i've never watched game of thrones but i do know that that's kind of what that show is all about. And so it's it really has me excited uh, because it looks like we have something on our hands that could reach the kind of 
cultural impact that Lord of the Rings had on our culture about 20 years ago. And that's all that saying, taking into account the fact that the trailer didn't necessarily blow me away. Like, like you, Mel, and I, I almost like the teaser trailer a little bit more than the full trailer, just because I feel like the teaser trailer, I I loved the teaser trailer. It lined up so well with the book. Um, and, and that, that box that, you know, what's in the box that, that box is called the Gom Jabbar. And it, it is, you, you, you kind of nailed the, the, the theme of it, but, we we get to see Paul Atreides um, played by Chalamet, who is really the perfect guy to be playing this. Um, <laughs> he's just like and, and the we, perfect guy. <laughs> he's just he's he such is. a good actor. He's been on a roll, man. I think he's had like maybe twenty movies in the last like six years. It's insane. He's he's the <laughs> DiCaprio of his generation, and he's worked with some incredible directors already. I mean, yeah, Christopher Nolan, Wes Anderson, all the guys. So. It's it's really a coming of age story, and I'm so excited that it's in his hands, and ultimately it's in Denis Villeneuve's hands, who I think is one of the best working directors today. And I'm hoping this is a, a success where Blade Runner 2049, which I also loved, was not. Yeah, that movie like just didn't do well at all. <laughs> and, and I'm with you, man. It, there there were so many different elements um, that went into that. One, it was the trailers, um, and I think it's going to help them here that they have a star like Zendaya and Chalamet um, working together. I think that's already you have you know a certain crowd that's going to show up. But for you, I know you talked about liking that teaser trailer. Was this, and, and for somebody who hasn't read the book, do you think my sentiment in, in believing that this could reach potentially, maybe not the same height, but close to the heights of the Lord of the Rings trilogy do you think that's crazy or do you think that's possible with what you've seen so far? Yeah, I think it, I, th- I think it could be possible. We're kind of in a weird stage where because of streaming and be- let me say it this way. Whenever streaming has been introduced to a format of media, it has become way harder for cultural phenomena to to grab hold. Music is like that with Spotify. I would argue that the the selling of books online has has really impacted like the opportunity for a new Harry Potter or even a new Twilight and which it's important to remember those were popular before the movies Game of Thrones was popular but then really took off because of the because of the show Game of Thrones and like each format has sort of like this last tentpole show that each week would draw on something or this new album that would always draw in something or even this this movie that would draw on something because like 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 think about about it this way like is there a show like Breaking Bad that's on TV right now where it was like this was the show to be watching or is there a show like which granted Breaking Bad took off because Netflix renewed its life but like the walking dead's first few seasons was like everyone was watching them culturally harry potter movies everybody was going out marvel really i feel like was like the last thing to capture that when it comes to movies and even after endgame it's sort of like is there really any interest to keep watching like endgame really like tied a bow on stuff and moving forwards really like like wandavision looks great but there's something different about watch, watching wandavision to me than to keeping up with the MCU, if that makes sense. So like, can, can Dune be that is kind of like your question. Will Dune kind of have that? I don't know. More, more specifically, can Dune be, so 
it might not. I don't think it's going to make the kind of money that a Marvel movie could make, or, oh, no. or even an Endgame. Well, I mean, movie. maybe it could, but yeah, I don't think so. But who knows? But what I when I mean when I say the Lord of the Rings, what I what I mean is, you know, you have obviously that box office success. success almost almost all three made a billion dollars, but then also the critical acclaim, which you have critical acclaim for Marvel movies, but. But winning Oscars is what I'm talking about. Because, like, yeah, Return of the King was best picture and got, like, I think the whole series has, like, over 15 Oscars, The Lord of the Rings, right? It's I think nuts. It's, it's nuts for a fantasy it's insane. franchise. And that's why, like, I'm thinking this this movie could reach that kind of, not you know, similar box office performance if, you know, barring every, everything going on with COVID. <laughs> Bar- and then, barring the, the year we're living in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then maybe some Academy Awards. Yeah, I think that's possible. I think that's possible. I think Villeneuve or Villeneuve or Villeneuve, Villeneuve, Villeneuve <laughs> turned him into like a, a Hispanic guy. Villeneuve. Danny Boy. Danny Boy. I think Danny Boy can definitely make some Oscar love. I think he has that propensity to do that when he when he caters well to the academy because let's be real the the academy does have its preferences that's why you never see horror movies get any love and i think he could i I think it could be a franchise that does well perhaps not the billion mark until maybe the second movie if it does if the first one does well and gets oscar love but that's also i think if we're talking franchise wise if villeneuve does the rest of the series or pardon me as we're now calling him if danny boy directs the rest of the series because i think isn't this first movie is planned to be the first half of the first book is that correct? What I'm thinking that that is correct, and what I'm thinking is they shot both of them at the same time, kind of like Lord oh, of the Rings. Because why yeah. not? I mean, and really, what what I'm thinking is they have probably a five hour cut right now, and they're dividing it in half, <laughs> like Blade Runner. Blade Runner twenty forty nine had a four hour and fifteen cut or something. Yep. So there's kind of jokes online. Well, Dennis reliefs the four hour cut. <laughs> I could believe that because he has had a turnover of basically a movie a year until he started working on Dune. Danny Boy was doing a movie a year for like five years and they were all extremely well rated. I think it was like Prisoners, Enemy, Arrival, Incendiaries, I think was the first one of those. And then Sicario, Blade Runner. That was all in the same like one year after another after another what a run and then what dune, a run. yeah it's <laughs> insane um and then dune took two years i think it's this is releasing after two years it's possible i think i think that's totally possible i think the other difficulty too is they have so many actors they just had to line up casting for it but and and get the right days for everybody but everybody to work but also i figure if phil new asks you to be in a movie you're gonna you're gonna block out that week <laughs> to make sure you show up on set oh, so yeah. he, he's got enough clout right now i i think he's it's funny because i, I don't know if this is intentional but he, you know the, the the past two big movies blade runner 2049 and this one have come out the same year as nolan movie and both are working at warner brothers both are uh, tours with uh you know big visions who critics and fans love uh so it's I, you know i'm not going to say that he's going for for nolan's place in hollywood because blade <laughs> runner didn't really work out that way but yeah it's it's interesting to see like the, these are two guys who really can compete and it, the same way you drop everything for nolan i think you drop everything for a villeneuve is tarantino also warner brothers i think hollywood 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a Sony movie, but is he has he always worked with Sony? So he's done two movies with Sony. Uh, he did Django and uh, Hollywood, but everything else has been with the Weinstein Company, which we know is not doing too well these days. Which now we know why he is not part of the Weinstein yep. Company. Yeah, yep. I, my wife and I have sort of like just like whatever we put on a movie, just unwittingly, and that logo comes up for the Weinstein Company. We're just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's always it's it's amazing how much a man's legacy ruins so much man sin is the worst i i hate it sin it, it is man it, it it just it shows the corrosive nature of sin like the the we could call them maybe secular uh critics they they can't really understand it but they just know that it they know it's not fun to see that or or yeah you know watching a, a movie with a kevin spacey like sin does damage like baby driver it, it's hard to watch because Kevin Spacey's in it. Um, and a couple of the lines are just too prophetic yeah. <laughs> from Baby Driver. It's it's like insane. And then talking about Danny Boy here with Dune, and then we've mentioned Blade Runner a couple of times. I mean, the guy has had issues, not just with writing women, not as bad as, as Nolan does. Um, Nolan is just very bad at writing women in his movies. But also where Nolan is bad at writing women Danny Boy has a lot of nudity in some of his movies, Blade Runner notwithstanding, and and it's typically female nudity, and it's bad. It's bad. That is a bad thing. <laughs> that is that is a bad thing. That is wrong. Nakedness should be covered, not because oh you're ugly, don't show yourself. No, because <laughs> your beauty is for somebody else. It is for for your spouse. Um, it is for privacy. It is it is just not for everybody to see on a big movie screen or privately on your television. And it it is sometimes hard, like uh, even listing this movie here and knowing that we were probably going to talk about later. I even wrote it in, um, in the script whenever like talking about like, why, why does the Dune trailer look like a sci-fi epic? Well, because Blade Runner's trailer was so weird <laughs> and it gave you nothing. Yeah, it's like tough because there are like people that we like. We just talked about Chalamet and like him having a killer running acting streak. But like the movie that really kicked him off was Call Me By Your Name. And that's a really hard movie for a lot of people to re- wrestle with, uh, especially in the cr- cr- Christian community to to recognize mm-hmm. as a movie that that exists. And really even just looking at the list, I mean, Zendaya was in Euphoria from HBO. That's a really challenging thing. Josh Brolin <laughs> sure is in some challenging stuff. Yeah, it's it's tough. It is it is us having to be Act 17, like the whole podcast we're, we're doing here at Cinematic Doctrine. I mean, we aren't asking anybody to be part of the world in the sense that you're swearing allegiance or, or sinning. Um, but Act 17, we want people to be educated in stepping into a community that they may not know about or want to know more about and be able to confidently speak with people in another community. Of course, our show is about film community. And Danny Boy, I mean, this guy's killing it as far as like the film community is concerned. Um, and it's important to be aware of that, but it's also important to make sure that you're always doing that in the lens of Christ. I mean, even just, I was reading First Corinthians today. Man, I always love when I get to talk about what I've been reading on the podcast. Um, <laughs> and First Corinthians was talking, Paul was talking about like, I will be a Jew to Jews insofar as I'm following Christ. I will be lawful for, for those who are lawful under the under, understanding that I'm no longer under the law, I will be unlawful. He says I'll be unlawful for the with those who are unlawful insofar as I'm under the law of Christ. 
ultimately kind of getting to I'll be weak for those who are weak so that the gospel never has any walls for who I'm communicating to. And so it's a, it's a hard thing to navigate. I felt inclined to share that because of what we're talking about here. I mean, it's tough, uh, but it's important. And, you know, pray that Dune doesn't have nudity. Doesn't sound like it should. It, it shouldn't. I, I, I think we're in good hands here, but I, I'm, I'm gl- really glad that you brought that up, Melvin, because the, the key here is, as Christians, we don't want to be a part of the world. We want to gauge it, though, and, and, right. and be able to look at, you know, a, a lot of these people are very talented. And where, do, where does this, that talent come from? But God, it's God who's given them this talent. And then they've used it for some really awesome, pretty, you know, pretty harmless things. And then also some pretty um, destructive things that have that have uh, worldviews that are, you know, very clear. Something like Call Me By Your Name, which is you know, incredibly well made, but um, has a very destructive worldview that um, it it really leads to death. It's it, as as sin does, and so it's. I think it's really interesting as Christians to where we we want to be open with these things, and and if if watching a movie or or something like that is going to cause somebody to to stumble, right, and it might not cause us us to stumble, then we we have the responsibility as uh, brothers or sisters in Christ to honor that brother who might struggle with this movie and. But I, I love that you brought that up because it, it highlights the gifts of God that these actors have, though sometimes they're not used for his glory. But thankfully, I think we're going to be in good hands with Dune. Just reading the book, um, I don't remember anything like that. I do remember it being very Lord of the Rings in that in that way. But yeah, I, it, it should be getting a PG-13 rating, too, just because of the budget that Warner Brothers gave him. I'm sure they're going to want to keep it pretty family friendly. Oh, yeah. They do not want to restrict it. <laughs> yeah, they do not want to restrict this movie. They want everybody to go see. So, yeah, Dune, as of this recording, is slated to release December 18th, 2020 <laughs> in theaters. But that could just change. So... <laughs> Uh, did it change? Actually, did this it change? is the million dollar question. Do you know if it changed or is it still December eighteenth? It's still it's still December eighteenth, but okay. This so is the million good. dollar question, <laughs> Melvin. And, and this is going to be on the record. Do you think it's going to make that December eighteenth? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> oh man, I I want it to because I'll see it. I will. I'll go. I will do it. Um, I love. I. I love December. I love the winter. I think it just it just makes me happy and it makes and anything that I could be doing then will make I'll feel happier doing. And so going to see a movie in December in winter will just be just awesome to me. <laughs> Practically, like based on the track record of movies and the United States of America's fight against coronavirus. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. I do not. I think I think it wants to stay there because December 18th is basically prepping for, you know, Christmas break. But this whole year is just different. Christmas break is not Christmas break for a lot of people. You know, I thought to myself like financially wise, what what am I going to do for Christmas? I, some some Christians might be listening and be like, well, don't you know it's about Christ, so you could just honor Christ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that, but I also want to give gifts to people because I love people and I love having reasons to do that. I, I already kind of do it all the time, but it's fun wrapping it up in, in rap. So, and I'm like, if I'm already sh- thinking about like financially how to handle that, 
mean, are people going to financially be able to go see Danny Boy's big blockbuster? Like, I don't know. I So I think it could get pushed and I think it could get pushed to next year straight up. But I don't know. I think, I don't know. This is going to be weird. So yeah, guys, I mean, it's slated for December 18th, but it maybe not in fact it could literally change between as of recording editing and posting so you know <laughs> just just double check what we're saying here but as for something that we're pretty sure is not going to have its date changed we are going to talk about the mandalorian season two trailer before i get into this next trailer i gotta say this month gave us some really just awesome trailers and the amount announcements for these films man the, i just so excited like it just feels good to be excited about things again. Um, DC fandom kind of had that for a lot of people with just a bunch of DC movie trailers. And I think people were just happy to like see new things to get excited about. And, and I didn't get like that, all that crazy excited about DC fandom stuff. You can hear about that in the last trailer talk, but this, this trailer talk, I mean, WandaVision looks really cool. Dune just, I just, <laughs> I want Dune. Um, and then Mandalorian season two, this just, man, this looks good. There's just so much to be excited about for this trailer. I mean, right off the bat, off the bat, we are nailed with an intense tone setter, a busted up, barely functioning spacecraft hurling through the vast nothingness of space, Tibetan throat singing, giving an air of ancient mystery to the lawless world of the outer rim. The Mandalorian and the child stepping into the light of the city outskirts in a cryptic declaration that Mando needs to find out where the child belongs even if it means taking him to the Mandalore's long-standing enemy, the Jedi. I mean, what else from this trailer even matters? That sounds really cool. For myself, what made the Mandalorian so enjoyable was that it stepped away from the tired Skywalker saga, didn't try to reinvent an already established narrative, and decided to give us some new characters in a new setting at a new time period. I mean, yeah, we've seen between the, you know, between three and four before, but this, as far as I'm concerned, is just totally new. Each trilogy in the Skywalker saga is virtually the same thing with a new coat of paint. It never improves beyond its established narrative, only actively losing qualities with each iteration. The original trilogy succeeds in theory and execution. The prequel trilogy succeeds in theory, but fails in execution. And then the sequel trilogy, for me, just failed in theory and in execution. It just wasn't very good to me. But the Mandalorian steps aside and says, why are we telling the same story over and over just to fail? Let's cover something new and just give life to Star Wars again. So the result, although not without fault, is a series that makes the Empire, or at least the big bad, actually scary again. The result are characters that we get to learn about because from the start, we have no basis to speculate their origin or to cry. They wouldn't do that because there's no canon established for them. Apart from the adorable puppet that is Baby Yoda, we all love him because we don't know anything about him. His mystery is part of his character. But let's also be real here. We love him because he's adorable and he demands protection. So look, I'm basically, I'm, I'm just excited. I cannot wait until October 30th when the show starts. I'm just glad to be enjoying Star Wars again because it's a perpetual machine of disappointment and fan outrage. But when it comes to Star Wars, one can't help but say, this is the way. So... <laughs> I mean, I don't even really need to expand on what I just read. <laughs> I'm excited for Mandalorian season two, but are you excited for Mandalorian season two? I am. I think that one of the most, uh, one of the funniest conversations that I had with two of my good friends, Colton and Cameron, if you guys are listening, uh, shout we're, out, we were watching the trailer, shout out. We are, we're, we're big fans of star Wars. And I would say, uh, my two friends, 
much bigger than me, though I, I really do enjoy Star Wars. And we were watching the trailer, and throughout it, were for me, I was really interested to see what Ahsoka would look like. There had been a lot of casting rumors that have not been confirmed yet, mm, and so interesting. Watching the trailer, the first thing that I was thinking about was what is you know I, I was trying to pick out a lot of these rumors that, again that have not been announced. Um, and, and trying to see if we're going to see any of these characters. Um, so somebody like an Ahsoka, my friends and I, we were kind of arguing, like, I, I think that's Ahsoka. I think that was her. I think that was who's Rosario Dawson, who's been rumored to be playing Ahsoka. And, you know, that brought up the, the, the hilarious story of how on the Mandalorian set, they had going to and fro the set, they had to wear these cloaks over them, very Jedi-like, because they didn't want to let out the secrets of the season. And it sounds like <laughs> that's funny. after the success of season one, they are bringing out the big guns here. I mean, I've heard rumors like old Boba Fett's going to show up. I've heard obviously Ahsoka Tano, which I believe is she's in the trailer. She's the one who, you know, pops, pops up and then disappears in the cloak. Like in, like at that pirate planet where they're like on a dock. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I think that's her. And so it's, it's fascinating to see like, man, I'm so thankful that Star Wars is just pulling out all the stops. I want to see a big Star Wars epic, and you know what? If it's if it's in TV show form, that you know that 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 works for me. I, yeah. I don't think I would have wanted that a few years ago, but I find myself getting really excited for it. Yeah, a lot of expanded Star Wars content lends itself to being a series as opposed to a movie. And honestly, I think it could lend itself to being a good series of movies, but we've also seen that just the current lead, um, whether you're the kind of, man, whether you're the kind of person who just doesn't like Kathleen Kennedy, or you're the, just the kind of person who doesn't like uh, Star Wars or The Decisions or Ryan Johnson, if you're a part of that group, whatever. But for me, it's just I think there's just been a fundamental issue across the board with handling Star Wars on the big screen. But on the little screen, man, like it's I think I've always heard that it's been handled extremely well. I mean, everything I've heard about like the show on the small screen or Star Wars content on the small screen has been great. I mean, Dave Filoni on the Clone Wars, as far as I've understood, Dave Filoni and some someone might just email or rage in the comments and be like, Melvin, you get everything wrong about Star Wars. Also, the prequel series or the sequel series is good. But Dave Filoni, as far as I've understood, has kind of been the showrunner for the Clone Wars up to the end, maybe up to the end, and then helped handle a lot of the other extended show, like canon shows. And apparently, you know, he's been an executive producer on The Mandalorian. And a lot of people consider the positives of The Mandalorian to him that he's just has, he's basically like, like on on shows on television shows there's something called a show bible and the show bible has all the the specific notes and nuances that are required to help the writers and the actors handle like what they're supposed to be doing it's mostly for writers though so that when they write their shows their episodes they can reference the show bible to confirm s- certain bits of canon and i feel like dave filoni's just mind is just a show bible of star wars and that's why he's able to sneak in things that are nice little tidbits for fans of of extended canon and lore but also you're not losing anything if you don't know any of that stuff one of the big issues whenever they get into really like fan servicey things is that they're catering to a specific group and they lose a lot of what's accessible to people and it seems like whenever i've heard about the mandalorian from both 
Star Wars fans who just like the movies or maybe just like the original trilogy and Star Wars fans who just own tons and tons and tons of Star Wars content and books. He just everything he works on seems to really hit the nail on the head for them. And so I feel like that's sort of like what's nice about the Mandalorian is that like it just makes everybody happy and no one's complaining. I think I remember like a, a hard drive. What is it? The hard, the hard times did like a satire title of like Disney doesn't understand why nobody's arguing about the Mandalorian. (laughs) It's just (laughs) like, it's so positive. It's like so true. Like everyone I knew was just like, Hey, that's pretty good. I like it. And everybody wanted baby Yoda stuff, but it didn't exist. So I don't know. That was a total misfire, but yeah, I'm excited. Are are you kind of hyped for Sam Hargrave being a director for the stunt co- or the stunt coordinator for this? Um, for those who are listening, Sam Hargrave directed Extraction, which was that Netflix movie at the beginning of the year that was really like it was like a grungy John Wick movie. Basically, he does a lot of stunt coordination and he was invited to come in to help with a lot of the action sequences in The Mandalorian. Um, yeah. Are you, are you hyped for that? Like some amped up action for Mandalorian season two? Again, I, I think that they're really pulling up all the stops on this one because I think that uh, the brain trust at Disney, they know, they might not say it, but they know they screwed up. They screwed up with that sequel trilogy. And I'm I'm a Last Jedi fan. I'm one of those rare guys. I think it works as a single movie, but a, along with the trilogy, it doesn't flow. That the, the whole thing was, as we know, uh, poorly conceived and really didn't have a, a plan from the beginning. So I think they know they messed up the movies um and it it does suck every time i think of the ending rise of skywalker i my ire rises i mean i'm in awe that jj abrams who's a a a competent director could do that could do that i'm uh, so (laughs) moving on from that i think it's 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 like i i do love that there is a, a piece of star wars that everybody's like hey I pretty much enjoy that. And I think <laughs> yeah. the brain trust yeah. at Disney knows that. And I think they're like, we're going to stay away from movies right now. And we're going to put all our resources behind this really cool Boba Fett show, even though it's not about Boba Fett. <laughs> right. Um, right. And, and, and it kind of gives, it, it gives the, the hardcore Star Wars fan what they've always wanted to see. And it gives, you know, the, the generic, you know, Star Wars fan, Hey, I get to look at this really cute baby Yoda the entire time. And yeah, I think that combo works so well. And so it does. having a guy like Sam Hargrave, man, again, that just speaks to the fact like they, they were not messing around. They wanted to make sure that this was everything and more. Um, and that it built on the, the really knockout success of the first Mandalorian season. And I think this is really what's keeping people on Disney plus. I mean, yeah, I don't know about you, but there's not much else on there that makes me kind of kind of sit up and pay attention. So I, I think uh, they, they know that. And I, I just love that they're getting top talent to uh, kind of help bring this, this season to fruition. Yeah. It's one of these weird things, just a brief tangent on Disney plus. It's one of these weird things where I think they're going to look back at this year and think we could have, we could have done what Netflix did and just had good content coming out at least once a month (laughs) netflix will do it okay i won't say good content but netflix will pop out content every week and that's what keeps people coming back and whatever sticks will stick for a couple weeks and that's why netflix is killing it this year i mean i think the first quarter they like they got a lot of subscribers i think they made half of the subscribers 
they did in all of last year in the first quarter of this year and or or something like that or they doubled it i can't remember they're basically the atmosphere the vibe i'm trying to give you right now listener is that netflix killed it in the beginning of this year and disney i think is looking back and going oh man we should have invested in this first year of disney plus with a lot of shows and and things and like they had some stuff come out i mean they had their high school musical the musical tv show whatever and that, that kind of interested me because it looks so <laughs> passively satirical um just the title alone i loved um and i like musicals so I, i'm killer for that they had star girl which didn't go over too well we reviewed that on the podcast actually if you want to go back and check that out and then they had Hamilton, but that wasn't supposed to even come out this year. <laughs> that was supposed to be like next year. And then they're like, oh, we can't put out like, what is it? Captain America and Winter Soldier, the Falcon or whatever. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, Falcon and they, Winter Soldier. Yeah. They probably couldn't release it because they needed Black Widow to come out because it's all connected in the canon. I think they hadn't shot. I, I think they still had to shoot some of it, too. I oh, think really? Okay. They were right in the middle of shooting when uh, everything shut down. Happened. So, okay, so I'm not right there, but basically like I think they're they're missing that. But that tangent's for some other time. Um I I'm mostly curious here here are two things that I'm curious about. And I think these are the really the best ways to end this segment. We're going to get all collider here. We're going to get all screen rant here. <laughs> we are going to speculate on season 2. I have I have four things that I wrote down that I think are interesting to see if they happen. And they're basically all ridiculous, but they all make me very happy. Um, one is, here's my serious, I'll start with my serious one. I'm really excited to see how the fact that like, like the big bad was kind of like the fallen empire in season one of the Mandalorian and how, whether or not Werner Herzog was was trustworthy or not, man, I can't believe they got him to be in this movie, in that show. <laughs> that was a get, man. That was a serious get. <laughs> that was just so good. Um, he, and he was loving it. All he had to do half the time was sit down anyway, so he didn't have to do a lot of work, but, but it, he just loved it. <laughs> but I'm really excited about season two, basically making the big bad the Jedi. Um, the Jedi, the prequels really helped set up that the Jedi weren't always moral. I think some people don't give enough credit to that that creative choice. I think that's really interesting. And I think The Last Jedi benefits itself by having basic, basically going back to that and The Last Jedi basically having Luke be like, but I failed once. And if I can fail once with such power, how can I ever be trusted again? Which is important for Christians to think about. It, mm. it should orient you, of course, to think more about your need for Christ. If you can have so much power and fail, good you need to go to christ and so this season two giving us the opportunity to see more like not immoral jedi i don't like watching people be evil but like the questionable ethics of the mandalorians versus the jedi i think will be really interesting and i'm excited to see how that's going to be handled i don't really have any speculations on that so i guess i don't have something to speculate there but here are my three bizarre speculations and i'm going to read them to you and i want to hear if you have any so first off i would just <laughs> Just give me the just give me the dumb stuff. I want to see the Mandalorian go to Tatooine, sit at a at the at the cantina um, with all the scum and villainy, and there's old Ben drinking some glowy mixed drink. I just want that. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see. Um, I guess he won't be that old. Um, ben Kenobi, old Ben Kenobi, he won't be that old, but he's going to be there. 
and I want it. One, one, one quick thing, Melvin. I, I don't think, I think this takes place after Return of the Jedi. Is it so, after Return of the Jedi, or is it? That's. I thought it was I, after, I'm almost. A, oh, you I'm right. I'm almost 100 positive, but I, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not saying 100, percent but I, okay, you're right. I was so wrong. Very positive that it, it is. Like, I think it's eight after, eight years after Return of the Jedi. And so I don't want people to just light you up and <laughs> be like, I, you're not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> so here are my two speculations. <laughs> you're, I'm keeping all this in. Here are my two spec. Well, okay. Three speculations. It's a force ghost, Ben Kenobi. That's what I want. All right. Second speculation. Maybe the child and Yoda meet up in some sort of force vision. That could be interesting. Um, and then my third speculation, which I think is just adorable, maybe two Mandalorians kiss, but their helmets are still on. So they just clang their heads together in passionate romance. I think that'd be cute. What do you think's going to happen, Carter, now that we have established that this is all set up after episode six? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, we I don't think we're going to be seeing an old Ben. I think we're going to be we're seeing... going to see Palpatine. Somehow Palpatine <laughs> is back. <laughs> We're seeing Solo, Harrison Ford, baby. <laughs> Dig him back up out of his grave. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm really excited, and this is my big prediction. I think we're seeing a Boba Fett. I think we're going to see Boba Fett a little past his prime. It's been a few years after Return of the Jedi. He's been in the Sarlacc pit for a little bit, but I know it. I, I, I believe that he got out, and and I think we're going to see him. And when that moment happens, that will be, I, I think that will be akin to the, it's the same kind of reaction I had when Darth Vader is just taking all those guys out in Rogue One. I mean, that was just, that was everything I'd ever wanted. And <laughs> Yeah, I want to watch a killer bad guy kill good guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except this bad guy is Darth Vader. That's the key. This guy, and so I think here, I think we are going to get Boba Fett. and. I'm uh, I'm that's my big expectation uh, for the season. <laughs> I have a great idea. How about Boba Fett comes out of the Sarlacc pit after three days is converted to do what the Lord told him to do. And he goes and prophesies at Moss Eisley <laughs> and he basically says, repent from your sin. And then he steps over to stand at the same spot Luke and Obi-Wan stood and he sits there and he goes, all right, Lord. Are you going to kill them? And then the Lord gives them a little leaf and says, do you do well to be angry? And then we're <laughs> going to realize Dave Filoni over here is trying to preach to everybody the story of Jonah. How big brain is that, dude? That's the most galaxy that would brain be a you turn. can see. Hey, <laughs> that would be. the Sarlacc pit was, was the big fish. Uh, and now he's, so been, bad. now he's been shot out. So. Uh. That's I'm um, all right, guys. I'm putting it down. Put money down. All one cent. <laughs> <laughs> I will mail Carter one cent if that happens. And if it doesn't happen, no. I will mail <laughs> Carter. <laughs> I will mail Carter one cent if it happens. Oh no, no. If no, it no. doesn't happen, I'll mail <laughs> you one cent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's no, no, that's I always get that wrong. <laughs> I, it's like I'm not gonna bet against myself. Okay, fine, fine. If I if it doesn't happen, you you owe me one cent. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you get to hear how my brain works after staying up late <laughs> and recording for one hour in a room that's making me sweat. I'm falling apart, guys. This is what it's like to podcast. <laughs> oh man. So Mandalorian season two is slated to come out October 30th. 
I haven't heard if it's weekly, but I'm pretty sure it will be. So in closing, Carter, man, these are some these are some really good stuff. But which of the three things here are you most excited for? Are you excited the most for WandaVision, Dune or The Mandalorian season two? Yeah, you know, I I really am excited for what um, Disney's doing with with their streaming service. I I don't want to put um, them down because I, I think they've got some really quality content coming out. But really, there's nothing that can compare with Dune for me. And that would even if I hadn't seen a trailer for it, Dune would still be my most anticipated. Just because I think the two mediums are different. You know, with TV, you're you're going to have a longer form of storytelling and and for me, movies have always been my bread and butter. That's always been what what I love, yeah. and I, I do think they're kind of they're two different, two really on two different planets. Um, though they use similar uh, language to get across certain stories and themes, right. but mo- movies for me, that's that's uh, they have my heart. And then you put a a movie with Denis Villeneuve and the cast that he's got. It's <laughs> oh, doing yeah. you know easy, but. Yeah, this is tough for me because I I don't know anything about Dune to be excited about Dune and I and I'm not I don't know. It's like I I'm really I'm excited for Dune, but I don't know if I can pick that one. I think I might have to land on WandaVision or Mandalorian season 2. And I know that like all of the big movie fans are like Melvin what <laughs> why are you picking <laughs> the internet's boyfriend is in dune why are Melvin, you picking dude your but, page is called cinematic doctrine it's not called television doctrine i know i'm so sorry i'm, but I'm I just think, playing the devil's advocate <laughs> <laughs> i just i think i'm i think i'm really excited for wandavision which i know is going to make every 824 stan and every film bro just so mad at me right now to pick the Marvel thing to, to be excited for, but I don't know. It's just something about WandaVision fascinates me and really interests me. I like all the actors that are in it. I like that. It's like, I like to see when the Marvel universe takes B level characters and makes them a level like Iron Man was that immediately they turned a B B comic hero into like an a, a comic hero. It was insane. Like, that's insane that they did that, and it worked. And then they did it with Guardians, and they're amazing. They're they're like their own movies, practically, Guardians 1 and 2. They're so separated from the MCU, pretty much because they're just in the universe, that they can be their own movies, and that helps them out. But they're just so good, and they're characters that just nobody knew about, and that's awesome. And I think Scarlet Witch and Vision are just bizarre enough. I mean, Vision looks the most comic booky of every hero he's just a floating red dude with a rock in his head that is so stupid (laughs) i love it and and they're gonna try and make me fall for their romance all over again i'm down for that so i think i'm gonna have to land wandavision even if i know dune is the right answer so don't worry guys i'm I'm gonna make sure that i rebuke melvin after this i want (laughs) to i don't want to do it here but i'm gonna rebuke him after this he needs to be rebuked in love by by a a brother in christ after that (laughs) that's awesome thanks so much for checking out this episode of trailer talk we hope you enjoyed it If you enjoy the show, always feel free to share your thoughts with a review, follow us on social media, check out the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group, or support us on Patreon and get some sick perks. 
A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier. Thanks so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support means the world to us. All important links will be in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.